0: Dublin city is an old city. It was established as a settlement by the Celts in the 7th century, then was expanded by Vikings, eventually becoming Ireland's principal settlement after the Normans arrived in 1169. In fact, Dublin's oldest pub, the Brazen Head, opened its doors just after the Norman arrival over 800 years ago in 1198. But more recently, low corporate taxes and a highly educated workforce has seen rapid growth in Ireland. These days the beating drums of Viking longboats have been replaced by the hum of a server realm. Dublin's time-honoured streets now house the corporate offices of Facebook, Google and many other tech giants. But my city on Ireland's east coast remains the home of a barber shop which maintains the tradition of barbering's long history. This treasure lies buried beneath the busy thoroughfare of Westmoreland Street. A full story beneath the dozens of buses making their way towards O'Connell Bridge lies a shop which is a poorly kept secret treat for the fan of all things tonsorial. Welcome to Short Back Insides. Welcome to Short Back and Sides with Phil the Barber, a podcast all about barber shops. It's Short Back and Sides, Short Back and Sides. Following the end of World War I in 1918, America was experiencing a massive boom period. And not just economically. Both society and culture expanded in directions never ventured before. A lot of variables fed into that growth. People moved from rural towns to cities, women gained more freedoms and advertising and consumerism grew exponentially. Where once the bulk of labour was made up of farm workers, the 1920s saw most toil on the factory lines these factories produced all kinds of luxury products, most famously Ford's Model T, which was sold at just 260 quid in 1924. The Model T could be purchased on finance, making it extremely accessible, and meant by 1929 there was one car per every five Americans. America's growth meant between 1920 and 29, the economy grew by 42%. The GDP rose from 6,500 to just over 8,000 per capita, but obviously that prosperity wasn't distributed evenly. Another big factor leading to the growth in the 1920s was the success of the women's suffrage movement. For the first time, politically engaged women could impact the world around them and in many cases began leaving the house to earn a living for themselves, a lot of whom moved to the cities. This expansion gave birth to new forms of art and culture. Art deco palaces sprung up all over New York and the new sounds of jazz had exploded onto the music scene. Movie theatres sprung up all across the country, some seating as many as 1 or 2,000 patrons as well as having a full orchestra. The Roaring Twenties had all the style and luxury to be expected in a booming society. Around this time, an Irish journeyman barber, Thomas J. O'Byrne, also known by the enviable nickname Tommy Two Guns, arrived in New York. He had spent the previous few years working and travelling the world on an ocean liner for the Cunard Steamship Company. In 1902, the British government provided Cunard with a substantial loan to develop two superliners. O'Burn worked on the Mauritania, which operated from nineteen oh two to twenty nine. Interestingly, its sister ship, the Lusitania, was sunk in nineteen fifteen and was one of the reasons the US joined World War One. While ashore in New York, Auburn visited the barber shop in the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. The modern Waldorf Astoria is on Park Avenue, but at the time was located on 5th Avenue before being replaced by the Empire State Building. The shop was open 24 hours a day and employed 68 barbers, a true spectacle of the year. Is something that doesn't exist and probably hasn't existed in the world for a long time. The barber shops of New York were known to be the most luxurious in the world. Barbers would cut and shave surrounded by chrome fixtures, custom tiling and wearing clean white coats. After a few years working on the ships, two guns returned home. Like many Irish people before him, he travelled the world, learned what he could and returned to his home country to try some of it out for himself. Upon his arrival in Dublin he briefly worked in a little shop outside the city centre but then began establishing a barber shop modelled after the Waldorf Astoria and in 1929 he opened the Waldorf under the offices of the Sutton Coal Importers. His attention for detail and patient execution of a vision paid off and the Waldorf was a great success, frequented by Irish political figures such as Sean Lamass and Todd Andrews, often together. Many international names, such as Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra and Bob Hope, also darkened the Waldorf's doors. However, certain monetary constraints had stopped O'Burn from modelling the shop to the exact design he wanted. Even still, his patrons had never experienced a barbershop of this quality anywhere in Europe, let alone the streets of Dublin. Just a few years earlier, 26 of Ireland's 32 counties separated from Britain. One of the first decisions of the Irish Free State was to remain neutral during any world conflicts. And so when World War II started in thirty-nine, Ireland became a regular destination for GIs on r and breaks. American patrons delighted in finding a modern, American-style barbershop in the ancient streets of Dublin. The income of the shop grew so much during this time that in 1946, Two Guns decided to expand the operation and opened another shop directly across the street. The second shop was named The Adair because it was located in the basement of the boutique gentleman's apparel store, The Kildare Outfitters. With funds no longer an issue, Auburn saw the Adair as a chance to truly perfect the design he dreamed of having in the Waldorf. This included terrazzo tiling on the floors and each of the seven barber stations would have a sink with running water. The tap fixtures were high quality polished metal. He also invested in expensive chrome hot towel steamers and pristine white coats with blue trim for his barbers. The floor was terraced, so you had to step up to the cutting floor, which patrons often compared with stepping up to an altar for confession. O'Byrne's unrelenting adherence to the specific detailing of the Adair meant it took almost three years to finish. When the store eventually opened, it was celebrated as a highly modern barber shop, and customers would flock from all walks of life to experience this shop, which was unrivaled in class or style east of the Atlantic. Two Gun's success led to him becoming quite a fashionable and wealthy man. Apparently he drove a big car and moved his family to the affluent neighbourhood in Mount Merion. In contrast though, one of the barbers in the Adair, Eric Parks, was heavily involved in the Irish Hairdressers and Allied Workers Union even serving as the chapter president for the Dublin branch at various times during the 50s and 60s. He's even said to have been good friends with the trade union leader, Jim Larkin. Parks's experience as a union leader would quickly become a major part of the Waldorf story. The 60s was a hard time for barber shops. Younger men had lost interest in the tight precision haircuts of their fathers and grandfathers, instead opting for longer hair. The development of safety razors and electric shavers saw young men shun the cutthroat for the faster modern alternatives. The two shops struggled to stay afloat and the Waldorf was forced to close. The Adair was also set to close but was saved when five of the barbers on staff pooled their redundancy payment to buy the business. With five barbers owning the Waldorf now collectively they made the decision to run the business as a co-op. They elected Eric Parks as the co-op leader and shop manager and also made the decision to change the shop's name from the Adair to the Waldorf Adair. Over time though, that eventually just became the Waldorf. By 1969, the Art Deco style of the shop looked aged and worn, hard to believe I know, But at the time, the Irish government was encouraging older businesses to modernise and offered grants to aid people in that process. The co-op voted and Parks was sent to convince the government to award them the grant. Once it came through, they installed a wooden structure to even the split-level floor. The terrazzo tiling was covered with hard wood and carpet and the pillars were draped with Spanish cafe-style wood panelling. The co-op weathered the hard times hoping short hair would eventually come back in style. For almost 30 years one of the most authentic traditional barber shops in the world was gradually forgotten. Like the Celts and Vikings that once lived along the banks of the Liffey the world famous Waldorf became a memory buried beneath the streets of Dublin. But luckily for us This is not where the story ends. If it could be said that any name in Irish barbering could be trusted, it's Finnegan. William Finnegan operated his shop 20 minutes from Dublin city centre in Inchicore, on the bottom floor of their family home. The shop was well known in the local area and visited mostly by working class men such as railway workers and engineers. Both of my grandads were customers of William, and the great Irish pint man and playwright, Brendan Behan, is also known to have been a regular. The shop in Inchicore had a sign outside reading, Hairdressing and Shaving Saloon. That's two O's. Not salon, but saloon. William's son, Liam, was born on the 22nd of August, 1945, in Eagle House, Inchicore. Eagle House was a tenement and had six families living in a three-storey building. While attending secondary school in Ballyfermot, Liam was diagnosed with diabetes and missed so much of his education it was decided instead he would begin to learn the trade of barbering in his father's shop. Liam began the trade like so many others, sweeping the floor and making sure the fire was filled. Eventually, he would graduate to lathering customers for shaves and then cutting hair for children and family members. His father felt it important Liam experience work in other shops, so sent him to work in John Connolly's shop on Ellis Quay, then on to Patsy McLaughlin's in Finglas, and a year later to Patsy Garry's on Ireland's west coast in Tipperary. Experiencing all these different barber shops gave Liam a lifelong passion for the trade, and not just the skills necessary, but also the culture of barber shops. Over the years, Liam looked up to his father William and learned his trade, and also a rogue business acumen. Liam remembers his father as being a shrewd but charming business owner. He's quoted saying. Back in the 30s, my father used to have a trick he employed whenever there was a new barber opening up in the area. I remember there was one in particular. He was good at shaves, they said. Well, my father got a guy called Jem, a corner boy as they were called, lads who were not working but knew everybody. He put a huge plaster on Jem's cheek and got Jem to go where everyone would see him. When folks would ask him what happened, he'd say it was the new barber. End quote. After spending six years in the trade, Liam made the decision to move to London. He briefly worked in a pub where he met Joe McConnon, who was also a barber. McConnon got him six months' work and board in a barber shop near Leightonstone. Then, in search of better pay, Leam moved to a shop in London's financial district at Angel Court near Throgmorton Street. Leam described that shop as having an old-fashioned Victorian style. A haircut at Angel Court cost two shillings and you were guaranteed sixpence tip per haircut, a quarter of the price. If the customer didn't give it to you, the boss in the shop would. He also received sixpence commission for selling French letters, a slang term for condoms, as barber shops were one of the few places men felt comfortable purchasing them at the time. Maybe not a bad merchandising idea for any barbers listening. Like two guns before him, Finnegan eventually moved home to Ireland, taking up his trade in the Intercontinental Hotel, under the barber, Jerry O'Neill. The Intercontinental would regularly have celebrity guests. Leam cut hair for Mick Jagger there and even the actor James Mason. During this time, Leam visited the Waldorf for a haircut. He was lucky enough to see the shop before the co-op's refurbishment and fell in love with the Art Deco style and how sharp the barbers looked in their white coats. A few years later when the shop was modernised he understood why Parks and the crew had made that decision but felt it was such a shame to hide the beauty of the Waldorf. While working in the Intercontinental Liam met and married his wife Magda going on to have five children together. By 1970, William Finnegan had left the trade and taken to driving a taxi, so Liam took over the lease of his father's shop in Inchicore. He spent all his savings upgrading the shop's facilities and worked hard to re-establish the business. Liam worked from 8am to late every day bar Wednesday when the shop would undergo a deep clean. His dedication and hard work saw him through for the next 20 years as he served the community of Vinci Cor and raised his family. A rare few barbers have the distinction of being a second generation in the trade. So it goes without saying that finding a third generation barber these days is very rare indeed. Linda Finnegan is one such barber and proudly carries the torch for her grandfather, William, and her father, Liam. Leaving school at 14, Linda started her career doing ladies' hairdressing in a shop on Grafton Street, but four years later moved to her father's barber shop. Under Liam's wing, Linda learned to shave and worked side-by-side side with her father in Inchicore. She quickly became an accomplished barber herself. But by the 90s, the pair were looking to purchase some old-fashioned chairs to use in their shop. A regular patron of theirs, Peter Comiskey, was the son of one of the barbers running the Waldorf Cooperative. His father, also named Peter, was looking to retire and so had vintage chairs for sale in the shop. Linda was sent in to the Waldorf to check out the chairs. Upon descending the stairs below Westmoreland Street, she was greeted by a ragtag collection of elderly barbers, two of whom seemed to be sleeping in their chairs. All of the men were ready to retire, and the question of selling the business was quickly raised. Despite the wood panelling and the carpet, the character of the Waldorf shone through, and Linda rushed home to persuade her father to buy the shop. leem who of course visited the shop in its original state, didn't take much convincing. So in 1994, the pair became the owners of the shop. They quickly set about stripping back the 60s additions to the shop, returning her to the way Tommy Two Guns intended. The wood panelling was torn down and the levelled floor removed, revealing the beautiful terrazzo tiles and customers once again would step up to the altar of style. A contractor was hired to refit the stainless steel handrails behind each station, and the walls were filled with old trade adverts and pictures. The final step was changing the sign out front to read The Waldorf Hairdressing and Shaving Saloon. That's two O's. Officially merging the history of the Finnegan clan with that of the Waldorf. Initially the Finnegan's attempted to run the shop as a co-op and Liam continued to operate his shop in Inchicore but after 18 months of loss making at the Waldorf they decided something had to change. The Finnegan's were set to give up their dream of running the Waldorf and started making plans to close down. But luckily The day before handing over the keys, a family friend convinced Liam to close the Inchy Inchicore shop instead and become the full-time manager on Westmoreland Street. Well, that was in 1997, and the decision turned out to be the right one. Of course, the style and decor of the shop was a big draw for patrons and got them in the door, but Liam's skill is what kept them coming back. His passion and expertise would go on to earn him the nickname, the Godfather of Barbering. By the time I started in the trade, Leem was already a legend. A big influence all over the world, from Japan to Holland, even America, people love Leem Finnegan and love the work that he's brought to the barber community. Within Barber circles, the Godfather's dogmatic attention to tradition has become almost as famous as the Waldorf itself. Liam point-blank refused to accept bookings in the shop, as he felt the customer in the chair was the most important, so having to adhere to a booking schedule would hinder that. In 2014, the Waldorf was featured in a TV program called The Takeover, which can be found pretty easily online. The idea of the show is business owners hand over the running of their business to the staff for two weeks to see what changes could be made. The Waldorf staff decided to add merchandise, a new waiting area and branded beard products to the store. They also implemented a booking system which cost a pretty significant amount of money as they needed an iPad to run it. But when the two weeks are up The one change Liam rejected was the booking system. Despite the lengths his staff had gone to, out of respect, not one of them tried to convince him to keep it. In fact, throughout the whole program, the sense of respect Liam's staff have for him is palpable. The few times I was lucky enough to visit the shop, Liam was there. If not working, reading Desperate Dan comics or drinking tea in the back room, engulfed in antique Barber paraphernalia. He loved the work so much, he continued until he physically couldn't. In 2016, The Godfather was honoured with a Lifetime Achievement Award by the Barber community due to ill health he couldn't accept the award himself so instead linda accepted it in his place in front of a crowd of some of the best barbers in the world linda holding back tears told some of the stories of her father's passion for the craft the story that really resonated for me was on how at 14 working in the city center hairdressers When asked who cut her hair so expertly, Linda received dubious looks from those she told it was her father in a barbershop in Inchicore. From then on, Linda knew she had to work to make her father as respected as he deserved. On February 17th, 2019, Liam Finnegan passed away at the age of 73. To say that Linda had achieved her goal would be a major, major understatement. Tributes flooded in from barbers across the entire world who were inspired by the Godfather. Ever the man of tradition, Leem's final move as the owner of the Waldorf hairdressing and shaving saloon was to leave his business to the staff of the shop like two guns before him and so now beneath Westmoreland Street the Waldorf's new owners Jer and Alina continue to keep their patrons happy so what will this new chapter bring to the story of the world-famous Waldorf just something to think about the next time you get your haircut There you have it, the second episode of Shortback Insides. When I put the first episode out last month, um I wasn't too sure how people would respond or if people would even be interested, and so many of you got in contact and sent me messages or comments um, to let me know that you really enjoyed it. So that genuinely means the world to me, and thank you very much for that. I'm intentionally trying not to look at the analytics too much. Um, or see how many people are listening because I want to do this because I'm passionate about it not to get some sort of ego boost from you know having people listen to it. So just getting to hear what people think about the show is, is great and thanks very much for everyone who has gotten contact. Here in Ireland us barbers haven't been able to work since December and um, it's been a pretty slow few months without being able to go to the shop and Practice my trade and talk to my customers. So, being able to make the podcast has been really cathartic and is definitely keeping my head screwed on. When things get back to normal, um, I can't recommend this enough. But please go and see the Waldorf for yourself. Um, the shop is amazing. There's really nothing like it, I think, in in the whole world. I know there's a lot of barber shops that have tried to replicate that idea and that that design, but to see something that was crafted by someone who was present when a lot of this interior design was was popular is, is really second to none if you've been enjoying the podcast so far please make sure and follow us on Instagram on at SPAS podcast and if you don't have Instagram make sure and subscribe on whatever it is that you listen to whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Acast whatever it is um, and also a rating for the show apparently will help us Get a little higher up in people's recommendations, so that would be that would be fantastic as well. So thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you last day of the month next month. And as we say in Ireland, salon Fall August Curv Meilim